Thank you, Pastor Matt, for that introduction. It has indeed been a blessing for us as a family to be worshiping at this church for the past two years, and it is a privilege and an honor to be bringing God's word to you all this morning. But before we do so, let us take a moment to pray for our nation, considering this is the July the 4th weekend. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this nation. We are so privileged in so many ways. We are thankful for the freedom and the abundance you have given us, O Lord. We are thankful that we are able to assemble, to have the freedom of speech for the abundance materially that you have given us. These are all huge blessings and they are from you, Lord. Yet, Lord, we are so far away from what we ought to be. With the racial tensions, the shootings, the violence, with the injustices we see around us, Lord, we can only ask that you would have mercy on us and that your grace will all the more abound in us. We pray for our president, for the government, for Congress. We ask, Lord, that, you would, that they would rule justly and lead us well. We pray that the coming elections will go smoothly. And more importantly, Lord, we pray for those who do not know you, that they might know you. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them and that you would save them. And as a church, we will be faithful to proclaim the message of the gospel and to reflect that and to do gospel works of kindness and justice. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning's sermon's title is Certainty in the Midst of Uncertainty. Certainty in the Midst of Uncertainty. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And for most of you all, this is very familiar because this has been the worst of the year for us. And God's word says, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. This is such an appropriate verse considering the year that we've had so far. 2020 has not been an easy year for any of us. All of us have our struggles as it is. Then you add to that the pandemic, the racial injustices, the violence, the, um, the loss of job opportunities, all of this is just too much for us to handle. We, it's fair to say that we would have had far too much. There's so much of uncertainty in these times that it encapsulates us and it surrounds us. And even as a church, as we go through this period of transition, there is some uncertainty. And so my first point for this message, one of four points which we'll be going through this morning, is the fear that encapsulates us. Point number one, the fear that encapsulates us. The fear that encapsulates us is the same kind of fear that we see Timothy go through in this verse. The fear of the future, which was pretty grim for Timothy at that time. The fear of fulfilling his duties um, based on all the opposition that he was facing from false teachers of not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow when Paul is gone. This is the kind of fear we read about Timothy. But first, before we get 
any deeper into that, let me give you a little bit of introduction of the background of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. We first meet Timothy in the book of Acts chapter 16 during what's known as Paul's second missionary journey. This is after Paul had first founded churches in what is known as Asia Minor, today known as modern Turkey. So Paul revisiting this, these churches in his second missionary journey, he apparently met Timothy for the first time. Paul knew that he had immediately seen something of deep value for the propagation of the gospel in Timothy. And we know this because Paul immediately added Timothy to his team. We see Paul writes to the Corinthians, I sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ Jesus, as I teach them everywhere and in every church. This is in 1 Corinthians 4.17. Similarly, he sent Timothy to Thessalonica to represent his own concerns and gather news for the congregation, of the congregation for Paul. This we read in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 7. So Paul clearly recognized that Timothy had a call upon his own right. He urges the Corinthians to give Timothy the respect due to one who is doing the work of the Lord. Just as I am, he says in 1 Corinthians 16, 10. And he affirms him that he was, uh, he was one who also preached the Son of God to them. In 2 Corinthians 1.19. So in this light, it is in this light that we grasp that Paul considered Timothy not just as a child, not just as a son, but also as a brother and a co-worker in the faith. And in 1st and 2nd Timothy, we see Paul's confidence in, pastor, in Timothy's pastoral performances lies ultimately not because Timothy followed Paul and was able to obey Paul and all of that. Of course, those were necessary. But because of Paul, uh, Timothy's own reliance in the faith and because of his holy calling. We read this in 1st and 2nd Timothy. So despite being one of the closest companions to Paul, we read of Paul's anxiety for Timothy, of Timothy's uncertainty of the future. How was he going to deal with the situation that was at hand? So let us ask this question. What does this tell us about Timothy? Well, the shift of leadership between Paul to Timothy was a painful experience for Timothy. Timothy, perhaps knowing the inevitable of Paul's execution, couldn't imagine how the ministry would continue without Paul. Timothy was gripped by the future. He was paralyzed by thinking about the future constantly, possibly going through his head. How was he going to face all these false teachings that were plaguing the church, the myths, the endless genealogies, the abusers of the law? It's just too much for him to do it on his own. And the same could be said of us in this time of fear, in this time of uncertainty, or in this time, in these circumstances which uh, this kind of fear encapsulates us. We have been encapsulated by these kind of fears in various points in life, but especially in times such as these in, 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 with much unrest, we may tend to focus on ourselves, on what we can control, on our capabilities, then focus on others who may be needing our care. And most importantly, you may be, you, you fail to, rem, to be reminded of 
um, the work of regeneration of God in us, of how God saved us, uh, caused us to be born again because of his spirit which he has given us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. My second point for this morning is God has given us a spirit that empowers us. God has given us a spirit that empowers us. Now we must ask, what is this power that Paul is talking about? Well, let's look at the next few verses that Paul uh, refers to in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 8 to verse 10. Um, And um, this is what he writes. Therefore, he's talking to Timothy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Here is that word power we see in verse 8 again, the power of God, Paul says, is the power of the message of the gospel, the good news of Christ's transforming work in us, of God who saved us and called us for his own purposes. A couple of weeks ago, we got some caterpillars for our kids' homeschooling project. Over the next week or so, we saw these caterpillars transform into these beautiful butterflies, a transformation that would not take place until these butterflies wrap themselves into a cocoon and die first as a caterpillar to be transformed into these beautiful butterflies. What a beautiful image of the new birth. This is an image of what Christ has done for us. For Christ has made us a new creation. We are no longer our old selves, but we now have the spirit in us. And despite all these uncertainties that surround us, we can go forth with much power. But let me um, remind you of how Paul talks about this power in us. And he writes in, Paul, uh, in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And this is what he says in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Yes, he's talking to you, Christine. You were dead. You were lifeless. You were sinless, without a breath. Not that you were reaching out and God pulled you up, but you were dead. No signs of life at all. And then Paul goes on to say, in verse 4 and 5 in Ephesians chapter 2, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for it is by grace you have been saved. It is God who gave you life. It is God who made you into creation. It is God who gives us this spirit of power. So basically what Paul is telling Timothy, and this is what he says, Timothy, do not think of yourself as an ordinary person. You have been given the spirit of God. You are facing life as though you were an ordinary person. But as Christians, As those born of God, 
as those born of the Spirit, as children of God, we must remember that we have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Therefore, our whole outlook in life and how we face things must be different. And the way in which we face it all is reminding ourselves that the Holy Spirit is in us. The moment we have the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to face life's trying circumstances and builds us up into his likeness. So Christian, if you are feeling this uncertainty around you, remember what God has done for you. For God himself, who made the heavens and the earth, who made the land and the sea, who, made, uh, who holds the universe in his hand, that same God gave you life and said, you are my child and he has made an eternal covenant with you and it is with that confidence that we approach the throne of grace and face life's trying circumstances. So we make this journey because of what God has done for us, of what he has already done for us, and we burst forth in confidence. So while the fear of this world encapsulates us, we can burst forth with much confidence, with much certainty, because of the Spirit's power and his work in us. And we can suffer well through these times. My third point in this morning's sermon is talking about this word love, the love that must emanate out of us, the love that must emanate out of us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Now some of us might find it odd to find this word love next to the word power. You know, we associate the word love with all these gentle and kind words like you know, gentleness, kindness, um, but you know, to, to um, relate it to power, does not sounds kind of weird to put it next to the word power. But this is what um, Paul is telling Timothy. He's given us a spirit of power. He's basically telling Timothy, Timothy, I know of the fears you're going through, the fear of opposition, the false teachings, the uncertainty of who's going to be there for you, as many have already deserted us. But do you know what, Timothy? We have to imitate Christ. And if we say we love him and his people, then we have to press on through these things, knowing that in the midst of these uncertainties, our hope is in the finished work of Christ. And we share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Well, Stonehill, the fact of the matter is the message of the gospel is an exclusive message. It is about the exclusive exclusivity of Christ and the denial of everything else that is contradictory to this message. It is offensive to our secular worldview to be talking about this. It is alien to our culture to talk about a God who would suffer for someone else's sake. Yet that is what God is calling us to, to proclaim him, to reflect him, to suffer for him, because there is nothing else more precious and worthy for the church to be doing than to what he has already called us to do. And especially in the midst of this counterfeit gospels that we see out there, we must press forth in love for our concern is for the truth and for what God concerns as most important. It is out of love for the lost that we speak the truth of the gospel message even though they may feel offended. 
It is all sort of love for them that we need to show lives that reflect this message, the kind of love that Christ showed to his enemies, the kind of love that Christ accommodated sinners, yet correcting them and telling them the truth of his message. We need to demonstrate that kind of love. And even in these times of uncertainty, in these times of the pandemic, of maybe job situations that you might be going through, Um, there is much going on and we as a church must be reaching out to those who are hurting, to those who, who do not have any hope and telling them of how we can provide for them or care for them. But most importantly, we must be telling them about how Christ is our hope and our salvation for that is what we as a church are called and are asked to demonstrate. So I encourage you, Stonehill, to remember that the message of the gospel is an offending message. It is, uh, it is offensive to the world, yet it is a loving message because it is the truth and we speak out of love for those who are dying. My fourth point for this morning is the self-discipline we should exercise. The self-discipline we should exercise The spirit that God gives us is a spirit of self-discipline or self-control in some Bible versions, which is equally necessary for the ministry, for no one can have discipline over others who has not first subdued himself. I love this explanation that Jerry Bridges gives in his book, The Discipline of Grace. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. And he gives us this illustration. He says, Think of yourself as a jet passenger plane flying 35,000 feet above the earth. Suppose the pilot were to say through the speaker system, Folks, we're in real trouble. One of our wings is about to break off. Which one of the wings would you rather lose, the left or the right? It's a silly question, isn't it? No plane can fly with just one wing. Both are absolutely necessary. Visualize the aircraft. Imagine the left wing with the word dependence written on it and the right wing with the word discipline. This airplane illustrates the Christian life. Just as the airplane must have both wings to fly, so we must exercise both our dependence on God and our discipline So, uh, in, in order to live the Christian life. In other words, without our dependence on God, without our dependence on his sovereignty and on his plans and his purposes, there would be no need of discipline. And without discipline, there would be no need of our dependence on God because our contentment is in him. And so we discipline ourselves because we are content with God and in his plans. We trust God. We depend on him for he is our ultimate joy and our hope. They both go hand in hand. We absolutely need both. So in these times of uncertainty that Timothy was going through, Paul is basically telling Timothy, Timothy, our assurance is uh, is because of the Spirit. Um, And because of this, we can boldly and and with confidence continue the work that is left to be done. For the same grace that comes from God and brings us salvation also disciplines us. And as believers, we produce within us the desire and the power of the disciplines that lead to godliness. 
you know, by nature, I'm not an avid reader. If left to myself, I will possibly struggle to read even five minutes of the word, and then I'll be distracted by YouTube, by Facebook, and you know, all the other social media distractions that are there out there. But the, there is this something that draws me back to the word of God. Honestly, there have been times where I just wanted to give up because of my weaknesses. Then add to that my sinful desire to find my fulfillment in the temporal things, such as my career, my, uh, the, my, the entertainment that's out there, and televisions and games and um, social media and all of that. Not that those are bad in itself, but to be spending hours over hours over hours on those things can be quite detrimental, if not sinful. It's a rabbit hole that we could keep falling into. But you know what? The Spirit of God cannot allow us to be drawn to, to, the, to, be drawn to those things, to be consumed by, to those things. For the Spirit of God convicts us, and he convicts me, and he asks me to persevere, to press on, to search the scriptures. And as I mature as a Christian, as I'm surrounded by my church, by my small group, by the Bible study groups that we have, we get deep into the word of God and the Holy Spirit causes us to have self-discipline. And today, I can confidently say that there is not a day that goes by where I do not spend significant amount of time reading God's word. This is not because of anything that I have done, because of God's spirit work in me. And so, um, in, in these times of, uh, uh, of uncertainty, May I encourage you as well to have self-discipline. May I encourage you to examine yourself, especially in these times of unrest and possibly much time at home, to take a note of how much time you are spending probably in social media, in television, and, and compare that to the amount of time you are spending in God's word. Do you find yourself spending time in God's word? Do you find yourself trusting on him and in the hope that God has done for you? Are you sincerely seeking him in these times of uncertainty? In closing, if you are a Christian, may I encourage you as Paul encouraged Timothy, remember that God's spirit is a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So act in such a manner that reflects that power, that love and his self-discipline. As Paul puts it in the following chapter of his letter in 2 Timothy chapter 2, ask yourself, are you pursuing God as a soldier um, aims uh, to do so who is enlisted? Are you pursuing God as an athlete competes to win the prize? Are you pursuing God as a hardworking farmer who works through his crops? If you are not a Christian or ensure or if you, are, if you are or not, may I exhort you and urge you to consider Christ for you may not have all the answers now in these times of uncertainties, but our Christian faith is not dependent upon those experiences, on our feelings, on simply uh, you know, repeating certain things so that we can be in, in good standing with God. Rather, our true Christian faith is founded upon the certainty of God's finished work on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God has already done the work for you. He has finished it, and we can press on knowing what Jesus has done for us. 
Paul makes it clear of the certainty of Christ in Romans chapter 8, verse 13 to 15. And let me read that for you. And it says, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. Without Christ, our certainty is death. For if you live according to the flesh, you will surely die. But as Christians, our certainty is life. Our certainty is that we have received the spirit of God and, uh, and as a, uh, an adoption as sons of daughters of God. And we can cry to him as our Abba, Father. All our fears, all our weepings, all our cares, all our burdens will be no more one day when we will dwell in the house of Zion, the city of our God. He has done great things, we will say together, and we will feast and weep no more. For God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, dear Lord, that in the midst of these uncertainties, in the midst of these trying circumstances, in the midst of so much going on, that you are our hope, that you are our certainty, that you are our rock, and we can place our faith and hope in you. And while we cannot see it in this time, dear Lord Jesus, we know, Lord, that your plan is unfolding. And as Christians, we can work through these times knowing that our eternal hope and our salvation is in you. So I ask, Lord, that you continue to enable us through your spirit, empower us, give us that love, give us that compassion, give us that discipline that we need to persevere and press forth in these trying times. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.